958 of the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Joining me from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, he's back in the saddle. Artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Derek, it's good to see you, man. It's the first we time we've you. really talked since, yeah. uh, since you were down here and we saw the Magic beat the Warriors. That was a great Bruh, night. And, and, and you was acting a fool. Hey. <laughs> oh, tell us more. No. No. Jamie. So first of all, <laughs> I, I first of all, Jamie, I I, I low key want to see you at a magic game sitting next to Cameron. And I just I would want to just film your reactions. Cause this mm-hmm. dude, he said it. I've I've this is my first game I've gone with him and he said like he's lit. I didn't know how lit I'm lit is. Now nah, this man is a, another level of lit. Now, now, Derek, Derek, did you find his methodology, which involves mostly like taunting opposing players and yeah. calling no, no, refs by name by their first name yeah. by their first name because Yo, he's jarring. Like, he's talking to like legendary refs. Who was the ref that was doing it? First off, he was calling the ref out of his out of his name. He was calling him the wrong. Call it Tony call Tony Brothers. To, right, Tony, Tony Brothers, Brothers is one yeah. of the most legendary referees. Yeah. And he <laughs> called this man Tony Baker for a whole half. In the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> only in the fourth quarter. Because I was going Tony only. And I knew it was a B last name and I just got caught up in the moment. He's and called Derek him Tony me. Baker. But Jesse. Have you ever been kicked out of a game? Uh, uh, first of all, in the game since out? then. No, listen. In the game since then, I have literally had, I've been a little bit more chill because of this. I didn't realize every once in a while you have to look yourself in the mirror. I didn't realize how far off the rails I'd gotten. I didn't know that Derek was filming me until he posted it for the public. And the public told me that I had gone off the rails. And so I was like, (laughs) I need to check myself. I'm telling you the truth. The last two games, I've been way more under, you know, just like I'm I'm just a fan just watching the game. Did the Magic win or lose those games? At halftime, security guards were coming up to me going, you're being too quiet. The team is looking at you. You need the security guard. And so I'm going, I have a job to do. Derek, tell the truth. In the fourth quarter, pivotal play and and the Warriors Magic game, which we ended up winning, did I or did I not single-handedly get a call overturned? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Listen. It happened right in front of us. All right. Look, when I tell y'all this play was so pivotal. I need you to send me this video, Derek. It it was not. It was it's on my IG. Uh okay. it was it was on my stories. I don't know if it's still there, but um listen, when I tell y'all, I think that the magic may have been up by two or you know, tied or something close. like that. Yeah. yeah. And somebody either stepped out of bounds or something. I think it was, it was right, right in front of us. Remember, it was right in front of us. One of yeah. their players was going up for a layup and yeah. went blah, 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 and fumbled the ball out of bounds. Yeah. And they called it on the magic having touched it to go and out of bounds. Yep. I, it was right in front of me. I lost it. I was talking. I was telling everybody the truth of what happened. Tony, Finally, then the magic players, Tony. they start going like this, like, Hey, they look over the coaches. Like if he, what he's saying is right. We need to challenge this. They go and check. They, then they challenge the play and it got overturned. I'm just look, saying this man really got a play overturned. You are an asset Cameron. He's an asset for sure. You're, you're slowly making your case to be on the coaching staff. But Derek, this is how far it goes. When I was down there a couple of weeks ago, we went to, we went to a couple of games and one evening after the game, we went to a late night establishment and, uh, uh, anyway, who walks in but a couple of Magic players in their entourages? Well, Mo Bamba, the uh, you know the the Magic player made famous uh, by the song a couple of years ago, walks up to right. Cameron. Okay, sees us like just hanging out in there, right? He walks over to Cameron and sits down and goes, "You are the most loyal person I've ever met." 
unsolicited. Like he walked over to Cameron. It was like, and then it was, I, it was I, I think birthday. it was like Wendell, it was it was Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. He was like, hey, come here. And Wendell Carter Jr. walks over and he's like, this is the guy right here. And they're like, oh man, he's here. And like they recognized <laughs> Cameron and were very appreciative. He almost got absorbed into an entourage that night. He almost looked at me and was like, sorry, man. I was sidling up. This I was is, sidling up. This is an opportunity. Like, There's a bunch of players and I was just kind of like, just kind of hanging. I was like, well, you know. This was I, a clear opportunity to level up friends. his entourage. Yeah. See you guys. I just upgraded. The thing, this, this is the thing that I respect the most about Cameron's uh, fandom. The thing I respect the most about, I'm a big up, I'm a big up you on this because I feel like, I feel like Cameron is an actual good fan in a sense that this, Cameron will also like he'll also be upset at his team, not in a disrespectful oh, yeah. way, but he'll be like, yo, I know they could do better than this, and like Cameron knows all of the draft picks, he like he has an intimate relationship with. The magic and the organization, like the the training staff, like knowing who's doing all these different things. And it's like, I think that that's good. You know what I mean? Like somebody that is passionate about, you know what I'm saying? Like their team Cameron, in that way. If like, you're not invited dope. to the end of the season party, then I don't no, listen. I need to know that truth. that's going to happen for you. Literally yesterday at the game, a magic worker comes over to me and says, hey, by any chance, are you free tomorrow night? I was like, yeah, I am. What's going on? And she said, um, the executive team is considering some changes to the arena and the game experience and some different things. And they want to have a, a couple of really core fans, a core, you know, uh, supporters there to get feedback from about some changes they're thinking about making. And, and we, they'd love for you to come. They asked me to come over and, and ask you if you'd come. So I'm going to tonight. I'm going to this meeting downtown. Cameron, you're on like, your way to get on the payroll. That's all I got to say. Oh, I mean, on, it won't be long. It. Come on, bro. No lie. You almost made me a magic fan. Like, no lie. Like <laughs> while I was there, I'm like, dang, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm a diehard Pistons fan. OG Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumas, throwback Pistons fan. Watching this dude's energy for the magic, first off, made me start being like, I don't even know if I'm a real Pistons fan like that. I think, like I'm kind of, like, I don't know if I need to, I think hey, I need to do a little bit more. I'm sure there's you know? some therapists out there listening and, and, and realizing that this is just a textbook coping mechanism of some sort. You know, I get it. Fine. Guilty. I don't care. I don't have a whole lot else going on. I work hard. I play hard. Come on. Right. Leave me alone. All right. Okay. Well, hey, speaking of work hard, play hard, we have an amazing guest today. Coming up later, we talk to the one and only Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg Marky is coming. Mark. Now, I got to tell you, there's no Funky Bunch. So if you're if you're a big Funky Bunch fan, they're not here today. It's just Marky Mark. I, I have a question about that. I know Tyler did this interview. Yes. And Tyler's previously spoken to uh, Mr. Uh, Marky for the the for the magazine for you know and look Mark Wahlberg's a busy actor and yeah. a few years ago he posted what was evidently his schedule which involved waking up at I think his day started around uh, 12.30 a.m. I oh, think he was in bed by 6.30 in the evening right around dinner time and started his day not long after midnight right like when most people are going to bed he's waking up 2 2.30 in the morning wasn't it yeah and, yeah. and he, he and it mostly considered the first like five hours of the day were mostly prayer and golf and then it moved and on to out. weight yeah and weightlifting um, two and workouts briefly. before breakfast yeah now tyler kind of interrogated him about the schedule last time do you know if tyler circled back to see if the schedule is still in play i i don't know if he specifically brought it up i do know that tyler told me that after they taped the conversation you guys are going to hear later that tyler's impression was that he seemed a little tired and I said, well, when well, yeah. did you talk he needs to, to go him? To bed. He said it was like late afternoon. I said, well, that's freaking 10 p.m. to him. That, that's you know, like, Mark. He's yeah. getting ready to go to bed right after your interview. So, Le yeah, late afternoon day. is creeping up on bedtime for Marky Mark. For last time I checked his schedule, he had one more quick round of golf in him, a quick late weightlifting se session. Then by 6.15, he's under the covers. Okay. All right. Well, moving the show along. Stay tuned. Tyler joins us for a relevant buzz. <laughs>
You're listening to Coin. The song is Chapstick. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. All right, it's time for Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee to tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture today. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. What's the buzz? <laughs> so I'm, I don't know how this slice is going to go. I don't know how this buzz, how this piece of buzz is going to go. I'm just, I'm curious about everybody's reactions because oh you, you, you may have heard if you're on, if you were on Twitter, you may have heard that Twitter has, there's a new head honcho ready to start throwing his weight new on Twitter. <laughs> there's a new, there's a new, there's a new bot boss in town who's going to shape things up over there. And that is of course, Elon Musk, who is now, who bought 9% of the company. He's now the largest individual shareholder of Twitter. He's also on the board of directors, cost about $2.6 billion to do it. Uh, but now he is going to be able to start making some changes on twitter.com. And, uh, and he is, uh, of course, if you if you follow him, and, and a lot of people do on Twitter, I think he has uh, he is the largest following of any CEO on Twitter, far and away. Uh, he has said he has frequently complained in the past about the terms of service agreements. He's said that that it is uh, not good for democracy because it kicks people off for voicing their minds and their their you know their free speech. He was not happy about uh, about kicking off former President Donald Trump and some other organizations and people that were kicked off. And now he's in a position to do something about it. Uh, and what that's going to be, uh, we, we really don't know yet. They're just kind of teased. They've teased a few things, but we don't know much yet. But I am curious how you guys, did, did you see this news? And are you, how do you feel about Elon getting ready to shake things up on Twitter? So I know y'all probably get mad at me for, for you know, I, I've had some pushback, you know, from, from relevant fans about, uh, you know, always, why does he have to bring up race all the time? But I just... <laughs> To to be a rich white man is just a, the most beautiful thing in the world. Because that man said, you know what? You kick some of my friends off Twitter, I'm buying the company. And I'm going to change everything that I want to change. I'm like, man, that's some power right there, buddy. Like, I'm like, I, here's the thing. I'm not even mad. Like, it's not even like a, like, you know, a jealousy thing. It's like, it was just like a. Dang, all right. You hey, okay. <laughs> Say it, just go to there. Just you don't like the company? Buy it. That's the you know, buy that <laughs> mug and just do what you want to do. I'm he did and it happened like really quick. Cause remember, didn't it wasn't it yeah. like one day it's like he announced his ownership. The next day he's on a board of directors. Then the next day he tweets out, Do y'all want to edit button? That happened in a week. That man got wow. more done at Twitter in one yeah. week than we have, us poors have been begging for an edit button <laughs> but, but, but here okay here, here here's like part of me is probably like if you're jack dorsey who stepped down as ceo last year right oh, he's the founder he's got a lot man. going on he was the previous shareholder i kind of think my the impression i get and it's probably not just from jack dorsey a lot of these silicon valley guys especially in the last couple of years are like fine your problem now bro like right. twitter <laughs> it, it, you know making decisions about functionality or terms of service sounds great on paper until you actually like the edit button for example right right how's that gonna work if i retweet somebody and then they edit their tweet do i am i is the one that's on my feed the edited version or the original right. version <laughs> versions out there exactly. and if i that's retweet somebody which retweeting is a core functionality of this platform yes. if i retweet somebody and they edit their tweet to say something explicit does that mean i retweeted something explicit like there's right. a lot of little things and i'm sure elon musk can figure it out but these aren't arbitrary rules it's just are like you? what's that <laughs> sure you, are you elon sure? musk can figure it out <laughs> but, but the the other thing too is like the the thing about quote-unquote censorship about it really it's just inter enforcing in terms of use policy that is mostly put in place to protect the platform from legal liability because the same people that are shouting free speech free speech are the ones who want to overturn section 230 of the communications decency act which protects platforms for uh, you know uh, they can't be held liable for things users 
post on their site. If that's pulled back, which, you know, a lot of which, you know, the former president made pretty vocal that he wanted to do, then you can't not allow them to kick people off or firms terms of use. All I'm saying is like. I, I, my gut feeling is Jack Dorsey is like, good, your turn, man. I want to see how you like it because it takes a very short amount of time to realize the complexity of these issues and have everyone hate you for arbitrary reasons, for unsolved, for, for not being able to fix problems that are just completely unsolvable. So, hey, good luck is, is, is kind of my reaction. I got a slight opposing view to that. It's slightly opposing in the sense of this. Is that to my knowledge and, you know, here's the thing. I don't really know much about CEOs and their scandals, but Jack Dorsey has been a pretty clean guy. Right. Am I not mistaken? Does he have a scandal? I, I mean, there's not a new HBO series telling about his downfall. Like yeah, so there's okay, everybody so I, else. I can't think that of a beard, Jack Dorsey. That beard needs to be trimmed up a little. Yeah, right. a little. I, I can't think of a Jack Dorsey scandal. Like he's he's, he, I mean, he seems pretty benevolent. You know what I'm saying? Like out of the... You know, the you know, he's not like uh, Zuckerberg or whatever. Like he seems mm-hmm. more like he's like conscious of, you know, global warming and all those different things. To me, this feels like if Superman stepped down from the Justice League and then Lex Luthor took it over. Like, that's <laughs> what this seems like is like, like the superhero steps down and then a super evil supervillain. Not that Elon Musk is an evil supervillain, but I'm just like, they seem on the opposite ends of the spectrum of how they kind of view like the world and all those different things. So I'm wondering if Jack Dorsey was just like, oh, of course, as soon as I step down, this man is is on the board you know what i mean so i think the thing that says to me that there is maybe a nefarious undercurrent to this is that the way that these tech billionaires invest is they look for unicorn growth they look for 10x 100x return on their investment twitter is an established platform with established revenue streams even if they tweak some business model stuff and it grows 10 percent, fine it does not yield the sort of return that a 2.6 billion dollar investment would ever merit ever. Mm. And so this Mm. is a personal thing, not a financial thing. This is not him Mm. making a, you know, a thing for his investment portfolio. It's it's not, this is literally, he has, it's either ego driven. Like he just wants to be able to say, I made Twitter a better experience. So everybody loves me. Or it's more maybe what Tyler was alluding to at the beginning, where there's like freedom of speech, conservative politics undercurrent that he's trying to advocate for and mm. enable. And he's trying to change the discourse to glean favor from a future administration or something, you know? So it's like, to me, oh. like there's, it doesn't make sense financially. This is a personal play. There's no other explanation. So wow, what's the personal agenda behind it? That's the thing. And when you have that much money, you can do whatever you want for your personal yeah, agenda. That's what Tyler pointed out. You got like you're going to be close to a trillion dollars. Two two billion is like you know what we find Nothing. in our sofa. So whatever yeah. it didn't affect. Listen, at all. Elon, but, I am sorry for calling you Lex Luthor, bro. Like, just <laughs> look. <laughs> look, fam, I got a couple ideas that need investing in. And uh, listen, hey. You could tweet about them all you want. Hey, listen, yeah. if, if I do <laughs> make it a the, personal the interest, black Twitter version, we'll call it uh blitter. If I do blitter, you can have, make an edit button and all of that stuff. Like just holler at your boy. You know what I'm saying? Hit me with, hit me with a couple. Look, I don't even need a billion, bro. Look, you give me with a little half a million, bro. I'll be cool, dog. I'm telling you. Tyler's very Tyler. I was uh, I was surprised, Jesse. You're not a hardcore Twitter user, like poster. Maybe you're a consumer. But Tyler is a prolific, like he's, yeah, he's like, he's in the deep trenches of Twitter. And he shocked me when we were talking earlier about it, like how anti-edit button he is. So I was surprised, Jesse, that you also are so strongly anti-edit button. Well, it's not so much necessarily being anti-edit other than being like, I don't know how that, like people who suggest it, I don't know how functional, it seems like a disruption to the core functionality of the platform. You know Mm. what I mean? Like if someone edits their Facebook post, I can, or Facebook post, I can go and look at their edit log, right? And, you know, have a note. But, you know, maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll do exactly that. 
that. That is, you can see it's an edited tweet, and you can see what the original versions were. But but what if I retweet a version of something you retweeted today? But but the retweet would say edited, and then the person can see the source and like go back and but see. But what I but what it, but like I said, just hypothetically, what version did what, you retweet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. If I, and mm. if you if you switch it out to put profanity in there, or or put something absurd, or change the meaning of what I retweeted. What do I have to go? And then am I just going to be inundated with notifications about, um, you know, edits that I have to go approve for all my retweets? Look, they might solve it, but I'm just saying, like, it does seem like a disruption to the functionality. You know, the I funniest thing in the world is if a tweet goes like, because you notice, like, there's people that have specialized in making things go viral. Um, and then, and, and the way I know that is because right below the viral posts, they'll be like, Hey, um, you know, download this thing or yeah. download Checking that thing. Fifteen percent yeah. off of this weird thing or something uh-huh. on Amazon or whatever. I'm like, could you imagine making something go viral and then retweeting it and changing the change it to an ad? You know mm. what I'm saying? Like oh, that would sure. be really, yeah. really problematic. Uh-huh. Like if it's like you make something goes viral and then you like, all right, download my mixtape. You know what I'm then saying? You drop a SoundCloud <laughs> link in that. Yeah. Yeah. It would be crazy. That would be I, because right now you notice under those posts, like those don't really get a lot of engagement. But if the algorithm just takes off on something that's viral and then you change it to an ad, now your ad has went viral. And uh, that that would make the user experience for Twitter not fun at all mm-hmm. to me. Mm. You know? That's my issue. Mm, issue. Yeah. So Elon, if you're listening, I don't think we need, I, I leave the edit button alone, man. And like I said, the, the whole like censorship issue that works until it doesn't until mm. your platform's overridden with either, you know, things that are obscene or inflammatory or inciting mm. violence or uh, pornographic. And it's like somewhere mm. there's a line. Right. And it, at that point, that line, it, it becomes somewhat arbitrary. Right. And the line isn't necessarily to protect the liability of the company. Look, the, the, the business of business is business, right? Like the Silicon Valley, you, you know, everyone acts like there's some sort of like political ideologues or something. Most of them are pretty libertarian in their worldviews and are mm-hmm. the biggest capitalists on the on the planet. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. Most of them get this uh, sort of reputation as, you know, left leaning since like I don't really think most of them are all that concerned about it. I think what their primary concern is what is going to draw people to the platform and keep them there and their line for what is, quote unquote, censored or what they allow or not isn't based on their personal ideological views. It's they don't want people to lose their platform. And if they know if it's overrun with filth, no one wants to go there. So it's like, you know, the, the whole idea with kind of censorship it's more in my perspective i think it's more about dollars and cents than sort of enforcing any sort of you know morality uh-huh. well yeah. i mean facebook's engagement is plummeting if you know people under 40 because it's just such a it's your crazy aunt posting toxic things about news cycles that's ill-informed and i don't really want to go and engage that content. So I'm not just not going to go to Facebook. So it's to your point exactly that like, if you don't put guardrails on it, it can change your service and change your platform, change your company, and then ultimately drive it into the ground. You know, but how come if he's all concerned about free speech and right wing voices, why didn't he just pump $2 billion into Truth Social? It needs some help. It's kind of it, it needs a lot of help a right rough now. Start. That's a rough start. It's in the ditch. It's in the That's ditch. What I'm saying. How did that <laughs> even have a stop? How did that even have an IPO? The, like, <laughs> you know that, my question is Trump, man. The, if the, if the, if the, the ex president, like if Obama started. A uh, a social media. God, please, Obama, please don't do this. But if Obama started <laughs> some sort of social media endeavor or whatever, you gonna not IPO it? Like, nah, it's it's on, man. I mean, the fact that the fact that Trump himself hasn't posted in weeks because it's not ready for prime time. You you know, it's like he hasn't posted on his own platform. Elon could help propel that. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't posted on his own platform in weeks because um, uh, the report was that he's angry that it's not ready for prime time and he doesn't want to draw people to it until it's ready. And so uh, he's ignoring it right yeah, now. That's bad. I mean, that's I went bad. there. I, 
I, I, it's got to be close because I went there the other day and it had a little animated guy with a jackhammer uh, going like this and it said <laughs> under construction and it looked like it was at the finish line to me. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else you got? Clippy popped up. <laughs> the uh, so th- this was uh, we'll 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 trade this with a, a better story. You know this this is actually probably the cure to what we were talking about here. We're going to talk about Selena Gomez. Uh, so Selena was on, she, she recently appeared on good morning America and she talked about something that she has done for her mental health that has completely turned her life around. She said it's transformed her mental health and what it is, is something that none of us are going to do. And it is that she has not been on the internet in four and a half years. She said, good for her. she said, that has changed my life completely. I am happier. I am more present. I connect more with people. It makes me feel normal. Um, so that sounds very good. She obviously, she's a celebrity, so she has like a team who can handle like the posting of selfies and things like that Mm -hmm. for her. She can like send those things off to them for them to curate and handle from there, but she doesn't scroll. She's not online. She doesn't go on the, um, down the rabbit holes and the, the doom scrolling that a lot of us do. Uh, she stays off of it entirely. And in fact, she's, she's enjoyed it so much that she's started working on her own mental health platform where she can share other mental health tips and tricks that she's found to be useful with, uh, by working with a team of other therapists to create some helpful content. Uh, she said that growing up in the spotlight has taught me so much can't believe that I'm at where I'm, I can't believe where I'm at now mentally. And, uh, I love this. I love when people say this. I get very inspired when people say things like this. I just also know that I'm, <laughs> I'm still on the, I'm still here, you know, I'm still on the internet. Like Cameron said, I post a lot on Twitter, but it's very inspiring to hear other people talk about it. Well, we kind of work in jobs that require us to be on the internet, but yeah, I saw this, I saw a relevant post this last night and I told my kids about it at dinner and they were all kind of shocked. Like, what? She's not on the internet? How does she even do that? And I read some of the article to them about her being for her mental health. And so my kids who were all like, you know, 16, 17, 18, 14, were just like, how is she doing that? And Aaron and I were like, this is awesome. That would be a dream world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so she just doesn't engage with like online content at all, or is it just social media? Did she kind of specify? She she said internet was her language wow. for it. She doesn't she doesn't go I on mean, the internet. She's at all. probably on email as needed. You know. Yeah. Sure. You know, but everybody's still. on the internet. She probably buys but, stuff uh, on Amazon some from time to time. Yeah, but even yeah. like news. But her, like and screen stuff. time, like the screen time notification is very, very low. It's not like what ours yeah. is. It's yeah. when she gets that yeah. Sunday, that Sunday pop up. It's like, oh it, is that minutes. how depressing is that every it Sunday, is. by the way? It's like, oh my gosh, what have I what am I doing with my life? I'm yeah, reading fine. like in the moment when I like to like I like to read just random stuff at night, you know, while I'm just kind of hanging out. The second screen, a big second screener, you know. And, you know, and in the moment I'm like, well, this is interesting. I feel like I'm informing myself. And then it's like, you know, I'm reading like, you know, movie recaps of movies I haven't seen and never planned to. Or like just things that are going to add no value to my life. Like, man, there's a lot of hot Morbius steaks that I'm interested in. Even though I haven't seen Morbius and I don't plan on it. For some reason, I'm very, very well versed on various takes from film critics. Like, I, I get her point of like. Even if you're not looking at content that is just causing you stress or, or just bumming you out or, or causing you body images or all these different things that come from consuming content on the internet. Body Sometimes images? What kind of surfing are you doing? You look at well, the body images. Like that, minute, you know, f- wait a minute. Well, you mean body image issues. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bodyimages.com. It's just. Oh my God. No, 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 no. <laughs> Do not go there, no, kids. Clark. <laughs> Delete. But, but even if you're looking at something that doesn't have like a direct correlation with negatively affecting your mental health, right? Like if you're just right, reading right. goofy stuff, like it is like, I don't know, even know how healthy this is. Like, because I'm not hyper present because I'm thinking about something else that I'm kind of reading on my phone. You know, hey, good for her, man. I, I, I don't think it's a practical a practicality for a, for a lot of people's modern lives but if you can do it it seems but, but like the idea of sabbatical and mm-hmm. the idea of sabbath i think can be applied um you know i know on on i'm very intentional on vacations and things to completely unplug uh be present with my kid i know like I mean, frankly, in the last couple of years, I post maybe once a year. I mean, like I just, I mean, I, I, I scroll and I'm obviously involved in relevance posting and stuff like that. But like, I, I, I just, I don't, I'm not in a moment thinking I should take a picture of this. I, you know, like I used to literally like post 
clips from every single magic game. Like I would do stories and things like that, whatever. And my phone was part of the experience. And this year I've taken one picture. I've had my phone out one time. The only time I have my phone out is to find the ref's names for that game. You know, like I, I just, I don't take pictures with the friends. I don't, whatever, like we're here, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I've been very conscious of that. And now it's like, it's like once you create a new habit, once you kind of detox from something, you just like don't think about going back to it. And I, I mean, I'm proud of her, but everybody can do. I think Sabbath is healthy. It's a healthy yeah. rhythm. I think, you know, uh, sure. it, it's taking sabbaticals, take a month off. Like, why not? I mean, it just kind of like detoxes you. Yeah. Yeah. To take that time even from the Internet, you know, like what Selena's doing is OK. I wish we all could. But like reality, we can't do that. But, you know, like Cameron, like you're saying, when I go out of town this summer with my family, I will take Instagram off my phone. Everything mm-hmm. is out. No, For me, it'll be a Sabbath from work and everything. So like no email, no nothing. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. But I'll be honest with you. I feel a little like, how, what's that going to be like? So, you know, what am I going to do when we're just sitting around the pool, I guess I'll read a book. You guys, I'll read a book. That's what I'll do. So wait, with paper, physical <laughs> with pay- paper, yes, they yes. make those. Yeah, I thought those were mostly decor in like the shelves at Anthropology. You're telling me people are reading those. People are still reading hey, speak them. It- Speaking of Selena, real quick, I know we got a lot to get to. I know Mark Wahlberg is waiting patiently. The right funky now. bunch yeah. just left. So yeah, it's they're, they're just out of the left. building. So yeah. they're you know they're rapidly. Uh, we're, lo- we're we just lost Donnie. I'll say that he's <laughs> he's on to another episode of CSI Blue or whatever. Um, but um, no, but real quick, speaking of Selena. Have you guys watched the series? Uh, shout out. She's great on it. And I'm just about to, I'm, I'm finishing it tonight. It's called no, The Only Murders in the Building, the Hulu series. Yes. No. I think it's great. Tyler loves it. If you if you like just podcasting, right, it's it's it is so satisfying to watch as just a fan of the medium of podcasters. I mean, they have scenes where they meet fans of the podcast and have these interesting interactions where they, you know, get where fans are mad at them for not releasing on time or they're trying to meet the expectations of, of listeners who are trying to craft a show. They're trying to develop their voice and personalities and the interpersonal dynamics all framed around uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez trying to solve a murder. Uh, fantastic oh, wow. show, especially if you if you like podcasting or are just interested in it. It's a really fun show, and episodes are relatively short; they're like twenty six minutes. I highly recommend it's on Hulu. Yeah, Tyler, I'm did you tee him up? Tyler's been doing <laughs> this in staff no. meeting like I for got, months. Jesse, like, I got downtown Emily Brown gave me grief on the on the all on the on the work slack yesterday because she's she says I bring it up all the time. She says it's I bring fantastic. it up too much. It's a great <laughs> show. What do you want me to do? What are, it's what's crazy that Emily about? is if you know you have really jumped the shark if Emily the pop culture queen is saying you talking about Selena Gomez too much. <laughs> hey, hey, give give it three. Hey, give it two or three episodes, Tyler. Am I right? Is it not wildly entertaining? Yeah, Liz and I both are huge. We love it. Look, season two yeah. coming out very shortly. I'm looking forward to it. I have all the streaming platforms except Hulu because I have cable, so I don't need the Hulu. Yeah. Back in yeah. the day, Hulu was about you know streaming cable shows, and and so I just never got Hulu. But man, they're on a run right now of original programming. And I'm like, mm. I might have to get Hulu for a month or so yeah, just yeah. to catch up. There's a lot yeah. of shows like that that I actually want to see that's yeah. on Hulu. It's great. It's crazy. It's, it's kind one. of rotating. It, it almost feels like a sport. Remember, Netflix was on a run. Then Amazon uh-huh. hit a nice little stride. Now it, it's like Netflix Hulu's is hitting down right well, now. Apple, Apple Plus hit a stride. Apple now Hulu's in, yeah. hitting it. Yeah. Hey, Apple Plus, Apple Plus is... I turned into what HBO used to be. HBO was like limited, but everything they put out was award-winning level, yeah. you know? And Apple TV Plus is doing that. I, I love Apple TV Plus. And there's this weird little run right now between Showtime and Apple that they're doing these shows, these dramatic reinterpretations of like these dot-com boom busts. I mean, like they have mm-hmm. We Crashed on Showtime, which I had no clue. I watch this every week. It's it's Anne Hathaway uh, and the founder of, Uber, uh, founder of WeWork yeah. Played by Jared Leto. I had no idea that was Jared Leto. I mean, like, like it's he's that transformed in the role. It's crazy. I didn't even know that was him until recently. And then there's also the uh, Uber one on Showtime with, uh, uh-huh. uh, George, with uh, Gordon, Gordon Levin. Levin. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good too. It's a it's a good little run the, of the, shows. The, right fun, now. the funny thing is, most of these, well, a lot like the WeWork one, uh, the Elizabeth Holmes one, yep. you know, a handful. The Uber one started as you know podcast docu series yep. and so like it, 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 they it's funny 
they, you know, I was reading something, some industry thing, and they were talking about how, you know, the, the, when, when basically TV creators kind of ran out of ideas, they went to comic books and it was just old. Well, first it was remakes, right? It was, you movies. know, dusting off old franchises that we haven't seen for TV and movies. Then it was like, okay, let's just every possible comic book character, we'll use that IP. Now they're looking to the world of podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to an extent, podcast adjacent stuff like Only Murders in the Building as the next sort of IP, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gold rush. Um, so it's, it is funny that all of these pods that a lot of people will listen to just cruising around town, you get to see come to life with Hollywood A-listers doing weird voices, which seems to be one of the common threads through most of these shows. <laughs> is true. Is you gotta have, you gotta look vaguely like this Silicon Valley person, but you have to have a bizarre accent that if, even if you have no context for, it just helps make the character even weirder, you know? In the, in the <laughs> Uber one, uh, Ariana Huffington, who's on the board of Uber, uh, is played by Uma Thurman, but she's doing the Ariana Huffington accent. So your your point is well accepted. Well, he, even and Jared even all of them. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth well, Holmes. And, and even yeah. the um the the Annie or whatever inventing Anna or whatever which was a podcast where uh-huh. where she told oh, yeah. she, it's like I can't even replicate the accent it's just it's so just weird. that's part of the formula find a find a Silicon Valley true crime podcast find a Hollywood A lister who's willing to do an insane accent and then chop it into six episodes and sell it to a streaming platform is basically the model to make it in Hollywood as a producer right now and then go win some awards eleven months later yeah all right that'll do it for a relevant buzz. Thanks, Tyler, for uh, all the latest. Make sure to follow Relevant on all the socials. We're publishing all day, every day. And uh, you can sign up for our top five stories delivered to your inbox every weekday morning at the front page of relevantmagazine.com. Thanks, man. Stay tuned. Up next, Mark Wahlberg joins us. listening to men i trust the song is sugar well relevant has a lot happening this year and we don't want you to miss a thing make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday we'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes some uh, fan extras and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year make sure to sign up it's the best way to Keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Mark Wahlberg, the Oscar-nominated actor and producer, joins us to talk about his new movie, Father Stew, a longtime passion project of his based on the true story of a boxer who became a priest. Our very own Tyler Huckabee talked to Mark about why he fought so hard to get this movie made. Here is our conversation with Mark Wahlberg. I figured it out. Yeah, seventh time's a charm. I'm being actor. Oh, God. You don't belong with those L.A. folks. They're a bunch of fascist hippies. What brings you here? And I figured no better place to be discovered than the supermarket. Hey, that's What about that story really uh, stuck out to you? What about Father Stu's life stuck out to you? Oh, God. He was just such a colorful character. I mean, uh, all the things that it took him to find his calling. And then um, when he did, how committed he was. And, of course, just knowing that and how I am, it certainly posed lots of challenges to me to do better, uh, to be better. So, and, and, you know, I really couldn't find any reason to not make the movie. I mean, it was just all around a great opportunity for me to start doing more of God's work. Selfishly, as an actor, I mean, where do you find a better role um, to show more range as an actor? I mean, it was... uh, it was kind of like, even though I, I knew it would be an uphill battle to get it made, I knew that it could be very impactful. Tell me a little bit about that when you say it's an uphill battle to get it made. What about this story presents a challenge when you're trying to get something like this put together in Hollywood? Everything. I mean, you try to pitch a movie about a guy who was a fighter, you know, his parents lost a younger child, didn't know how to cope. Uh-huh. He goes to L.A. to become an actor, falls in love with a girl, is just trying to manipulate her into a relationship. She manipulates him into getting baptized. He gets run over by a car. 
not once but twice, and then he sees Mother Mary, and then he decides he wants to become a priest, and then he dies of a rare disease. Tough, tough pitch. It's not like a superhero movie with, you know, he can build a franchise and, you know, they're not seeing like box office here and lots of potential for spinoffs and stuff. But I got that. And it was just like, all right, I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's not an easy sell uh, when you're pitching it in the room. But once people see the trailer or they see the TV spots, they're like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen anything like that before. And it will pique their interest. Um, And then when people want to see it. And then I definitely felt like it was the kind of film that would touch anybody that saw it because there's such universal themes in the movie, right? Especially people dealing with um, the unknown, all the whys of the world, and then, of course, mortality and that being inevitable. Like, how do people handle those things? And to see how Stu handled it, I think people find that very inspiring. I think God saw something in you worth saving, but it's up to you to decide what you've got to offer. It's the place you told me you believed in me. I thought it makes sense being back here to do this. Your son is about to make a huge mistake. I'm gonna be a priest. For Halloween. When you're telling a story with these sorts of difficulties, these struggles that don't necessarily have easy answers, it feels, is it hard to make a movie that doesn't necessarily give you the, like the classic Hollywood ending, the way we think of it, the really happy ending, does that does that present a challenge? Is that a struggle for, for you as an actor, for the producers, the script writers? No, I just try to tell the story in the most truthful way. And I think uh-huh. uh, uh, considering that, you know, that that ending, especially, I mean, us, you know, and everybody facing it, it, it being inevitable, that like how you handle that and that it was still people left on a very emotional high when the movie was over, which was fantastic. And, you know, they felt inspired and they felt a little bit more hope and, and, um, and then also challenging them to do a little more and to be a little bit better. Stu had that remarkable way of, way of, you know, speaking somebody's language, but then also challenging them. And he's doing that now, uh, in very interesting ways to challenge me to do more and do better. You mentioned that the story maybe has inspired you to try to be a better person or, or to, or given you sort of a, a passion for that. Do you feel like you can relate to his story, relate to his character, his person? What What's the personal connection for you to him? Of course. Oh my God. There are so many things. I mean, there's just, you know, uh, the, the, the rough upbringing, um, the kind of continued, uh, pursuit of finding your calling, you know, your voice, um, finding meaning and purpose and, you know, giving yourself a reason to want to do better and be better. Um, yeah, I, I, I found so many similarities. What was, once you started, once you kind of got the green light to tell the story, what do you feel like were the most important things to get right? Obviously, whenever you tell a true story, you, there's things that make it into the movie and things that don't. But but what is the, what were the, like, this this stuff has to be in there? Well, telling a, telling a you know, a movie that spanned, I don't know, 20, 15, 20 years in, uh, you know, two hours is not an easy thing to do. So what's in the movie, what's not, what kind of little kind of creative liberties you take to, um, to get to, uh, to the important bits, all that stuff is, uh, is a bit of a challenge, but I think you just kind of, you just gotta make sure. And, and I just want everybody to know what my intentions were, you know, and, and that they were coming from a pure place. And so even if they didn't necessarily get it, just hopefully give me the benefit of the doubt. So when I could come back with the finished product, they would then understand that, oh my God, no, there was loads of humor and it was really uplifting ultimately, despite the fact that he, you know, is diagnosed with this incurable disease. I mean, how he handled it with such grace and dignity and um, how it really felt like, you know, it brought him closer to God, therefore inspired him to do more. You know, those are all things that I knew would be there. Um, we just needed to get it right. And thankfully, through Stu and Mary and Jesus' intercession, we were able to uh, to deliver. Are there any, having done it now and, and having seen it, and also I'm, I would assume seeing some people's reactions to the movie, is there any part of this, any scene, any line that really stands out to you as particularly like we really, we really nailed it on, on that part. That really sums up the whole movie. I can't wait for more audiences to see that part. 
I know. I really think it it it, it works um, as a whole because seeing audiences say that they all felt like they could relate to identify with Stu in a personal way. That's never happened to me with a film before. And you know, I think the most important thing, just because of what's going on today, is that reminding people that nobody's beyond redemption and, and you don't want to give up on people. You want to give people hope and knowing that it's never too late to change and grow and that they're loved and that they're supported. Who are you here to visit, sir? Father Stu. You and everybody else. When the man comes around. I wish you can pray for an easy life, but the strength to endure a difficult one. That was Mark Wahlberg. For a full-length mag-quality feature profile with more of that conversation, it is available right now at RelevantMagazine.com exclusively for Relevant Plus subscribers. I told you we were dropping some exclusives throughout the month and um, some of our A-list content, premium content, magazine-level content is part of that. So Mark Wahlberg kicks that off. If you're a Relevant Plus subscriber, you can get it right there in the plus section at uh, relevantmagazine.com. Uh, and make sure to check out Father Stew when it opens in wide release on Easter weekend. They didn't know Couldn't believe that they changed my soul Yeah, whoa, they didn't know Couldn't believe that they changed, I know Got them like, they didn't know Couldn't believe now I'm living so bold When you were thin everywhere that I go You're listening to Wande The song is They Didn't Know Too Okay, so a little programming note Normally, I guess for a long time Friday had our feedback segment. You guys, we asked you the question a week and you told us on Friday. But because we've changed when the shows release and when we record and all the stuff is just different, uh, we used to do it on Friday. And then we moved it to the Tuesday episode. And then now we've changed when shows come out, what order and when we record and all that stuff. So um, we have now, we decided to move your feedback back to the Friday episode. But when we're recording this episode, this first one, we haven't yet released the last episode. So we have that none of your like, feedback yet because you haven't heard first? the show yet. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> all that to say, we did another audience poll on Relevant this week and we're going to actually pull from that for this feedback segment. And then starting next week, we'll be on track where you guys' feedback will be part of the show. But earlier this week, we went on uh, social media and asked you guys to tell us your craziest youth group games growing up. Um, we've all, if you went to youth group, you played chubby bunny, you had some kid crying because of some feat of endurance that he couldn't do. You had just, you know, all these icebreaker games that youth pastors thought were a good idea ended up uh, traumatizing a lot of you. (laughs) And so we asked you the craziest youth group games that you experienced and you hit us up and here are a few of our favorite replies. Uh, Adam, Adam Welty. Uh, I don't know what church he was going to. Frankly, I'm, I, and unclear what religion he even follows with this one, but uh, it sounds <laughs> awesome. I want to be a part. <laughs> so we would soak a three pack of tennis balls in gasoline. You got oh. me. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, I'm that's in. interesting. Okay. okay. Then we right. light them on fire and play hot potato. It wasn't exactly quote unquote sanctioned by the church, but all the youth leaders played. Hey, that sounds pretty sanctioned. Yeah. That sounds pretty. Of course, good. the youth leaders played because they were like 21. Yeah, this game is called Third Degree Burns. Ready? Go. (laughs) It's to remind you that if you hold on to sin, you're going to burn in hell. So Mm. you got to release the sin and then you don't get scorched. Yeah, I mean, you pass the sin on. You throw the sin at others. (laughs) You get lightly burned by sin if you release it quickly. Yeah. If you repent right away. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Jen says this. She said Fear Factor. She said her youth group leader was obsessed with the show and brought pig's blood to drink as a dare. I sat that game out and was told I wasn't modeling good Christian behavior because I did not participate. What? Pig's blood. That's ridiculous. Was she part of a cult, though? She might have. That might have been a ceremony. That sounds like another denomination. Yeah. Yeah. See, I have a quick question. Was your was the youth pastor a fan of Fear Factor or Witches Covens? Because... So Mandy Smith says the one where you pretend to be living in a communist country 
and have to get from one person's house to the church because without getting caught by all the church dads who are dressed up as bad guys. Mandy, I am sorry because that is traumatizing. This was like they were trying to act like they were in the underground church or something. What's happening uh-huh. here? In in what country uh-huh. is this? Is this a communist country? In the communist, a communist country. country. Oh, I, all those. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. In what year was she alive? <laughs> <laughs> what year was she going to youth group? Yeah, the Cold War kind of ended in the late 80s. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, you know. Oh, this yeah. one comes from Dr. Luchin. So this is a doctor. I don't know if he's an MD doctor or PhD doctor or what, but he, he said. He like Dr. Dre. Okay. He said, I once had my students make PB&Js with their feet and then feed them to each other. He's definitely a pastor somewhere, and he was a youth pastor. He has his PhD in biblical theology or something, but he had his kids make sandwiches with their feet. Mm. Oh, that's so okay. gross. So you're holding the knife with your toes, and you're dipping. Or you and put you're... your toes in the peanut butter jar. Oh, I mean, there's not even a utensil. You're saying toe dip. I toe don't know. Spread. It feels like that'd be oh, easier. Wow. Now, question: oh. Did they have a foot washing ceremony to cleanse the <laughs> sins yeah. and forgiveness yeah. prior to the game? Holy cow! Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there's not enough Purell in the world for me to eat that sandwich. R- Robbie said. It was bobbing for apples in a tub of mayonnaise. Now, oh look, gosh. I don't buy mayonnaise, but this does not seem like they're a good steward of church funds because in order to f- to fill a tub. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's all. That's, that's I don't know how many of jars mayonnaise. of mayonnaise we're talking. I mean, you're talking a Costco run here. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, that that money could have been used for good, you know, uh, but could feed the needy. Or something. No, I mean, we're, we're, just, we're talking uh, a few hundred dollars of mayonnaise here coming out of the youth. We could have made a bunch budget. of turkey sandwiches to pass out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You make them with your feet, and oh. even better. <laughs> well, you could you could do, you do some with your hand and some with your feet. You can kind of like double the efficiency of the so food line. It 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 basically is fear factor status. All of these, they're just awful. They're just they are just terrible. Guys, there's another feet one. Here's another foot one. Emily Matthews said. The youth group hosted a party after the homecoming dance. This is like lame. Like, go to your school's dance and then come here to youth group. Guys had to feed their dates nachos with their feet. Abolish What's wrong with group. these youth pastors and feet? <laughs> Abolish youth groups, Derek. Abolish youth group. That, I, I, oh my I, that's gosh. my official stance. That's my official stance. Abolish youth group. Or just talk about Jesus and not feet. Well, there's a lot of feet stories There's a lot in the of Gospels. feet stuff. They're, they're, let me say this. That's true, but we're not feeding the 5,000 with our feet. I'm only going to say this. I'm not going to get weird, but there's a concerning amount of feet stuff in here. A concerning <laughs> amount. No, well, hey, I'm just going to say that. That's they, all. I, they don't, we don't know who, <laughs> who sent this in, but the, the reply was, tube of death. A clear, flexible tube would be filled with raw eggs, hot sauce, ketchup, pickle juice, and other nasty liquids. Then two people would stand on each end and blow. Whoever got sprayed with the deadly, deadly concoction was the loser. This is terrible. I mean, that's traumatizing for that middle school kid who's going to get mm-hmm. that junk sprayed all over his face in front of his friends. Forever, <laughs> you're going to be pickle juice egg kid, you know. But what is the intention hey, of these pickle games? juice. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that kid's that's gotta... what I'm trying to figure out. Besides torturing the and kids. And he was probably in sixth grade. It was his first day at youth group. And he liked uh-huh. an eighth grade girl. And, he got... and now he's pickle juice oh. head forever. No, he's pickle juice forever. Hey, youth pastor, listen, I got this. I got this kid at school, and he's really going through something tough. He's not a believer, and I really believe that he could use the spiritual insights of the gospel to navigate through this difficult time in his life. The yeah. problem is, yeah. he just isn't comfortable coming to church. Do you have any ideas? We can feed him nachos with feet. All right, bring him in. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. Okay, but the real question is, we're all grownups here, and this all seems disastrous. Does a seventh grade kid actually think this is fun and funny? I mean, you know, that that that's a bigger question here. I wouldn't. But yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. Not seventh grade, I'd have been like, bro, I'm not coming back here, bro. For real, for real. This is crazy. I just These don't remember crazy. a whole lot of things from seventh grade. You know, like I you remember trauma. You do or 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 you, I guess, you know, forget it in, on purpose. But like like the things that stick with you affected you. I, I had a good seventh grade. I don't remember. These full grown adults are telling us about specific games that yeah. were so traumatic to them. Yeah. <laughs> they facts. remember it 20 years later, 10 yeah. years later. It's serious. I'm good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a pass. Come on, youth pastors. 
Do better. I feel, I feel honestly kind of nauseous just reading these. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's like, dude, I got to eat lunch after we record. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, and I will say this, I was going to have a friend where I was going to go out to lunch with a friend and we were going to feed each other lunch with feet, <laughs> but the other stuff really disturbs me. I mean, there's one here. Nick says that he wouldn't, he doesn't remember what the game was, but he remembered part of the game was he had to swallow a live goldfish. That's like, oh my god! Again, he doesn't remember the game. He doesn't remember the sermon. He doesn't remember anything else. He just remembers the trauma of of having to swallow a live animal. You guys, anyway. I literally felt a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Like I had a gag reflex just now. I thought I'm yeah. about to vomit. Like where does that goldfish go? This this is the question. Like what happens to your body when you put a goldfish I think in it's it? It's just like anything else. It'll die in your stomach acid right away. Oh gosh! I, I did. I did swallow a goldfish one time. No, you didn't. Not in youth group, but in college, I spit him back up too. I, I but he was all the way down. It's very terrible and disgusting. And it was I feel. I feel. I literally feel like my mouth is watering right now. Like he I can throw okay. up. You guys. He seemed okay. He seemed okay. That's all I'll say. Wait, 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 wait. You swallowed it, spit it back up, and it was alive still. Yeah, swimming around. Oh my gosh. What were you doing, Jesse? Did you put it back in his little house? Huh? It was it's, in a bowl. A bowl. I, listen, it, 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 this Jesse. is horrible, but I, I'm not defending it, but I did it when I was in college. It's goofing, you know? Wait, wait, wait. Was it your goldfish? Was it your friend's goldfish? Were you trying I to. Don't, I don't even remember how the goldfish was procured, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh I just remember gosh. there was a goldfish. And next thing you know, you're swallowing it. Exactly. It's late at night. You got nothing hey, to do. Would it be funny if I swallowed the goldfish? Is that kind of how yeah, this started? Exactly. Like most dumb decisions in college, they start with, wouldn't it be funny if I tried to? And it was and then, probably two in the morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the next thing you know, you're in, you know, uh, you're, you're hey, either eating goldfish or getting suspended. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting suspended? Oh, you got suspended for that? Well, not for that. I got, uh, <laughs> it was, oh, not it, for that. they didn't oh, have suspended. Sorry. They had what they call it getting campused, which was basic. I don't even it's know. Like getting it's getting grounded at a Christian yeah. college. Yeah. You can't go yeah, out. I don't even know technically if that's legal, right? Because it's imprisonment. <laughs> like they, they, they say you cannot leave the dorm. You, you know, hours. like yeah. legally, can they keep me there? I don't know. Like if I were just to walk out, I don't think there would, you know, I don't know if they keep me, but I, I, I got campus a number of times for a number of, uh, it was, it was nothing nefarious. It was just a lot of very dumb pranks. Um, so at two in but, the morning, uh, just walking into random people's rooms, taking their pet, eating it, swallowing. spitting it back up. <laughs> and he was just and fine. Then, then just leave, fine. What a story. It. What a story I gave to that rando. What a story. And Two in the morning, Jesse swallowing goldfish while Marky Mark's on Bad his third workout the other goldfish. Day. You will not believe what happened to me last night. We, 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 yeah, I'm not, I won't get into all these stories, but yeah, I mean, you have a lot of, the idle time at the age of 19 or 18 is very dangerous, especially yeah. if goldfish very are dangerous. anywhere in close physical proximity. <laughs> hey, yeah. Even in the safe confines of a Christian college campus, it's people like Jesse can find it's ways worse to. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's an underground society that Jesse formed. Um, okay, there's there's more feedback where that came from. We actually did we did a compilation of these as an article, as a listicle over at relevantmagazine.com. Go check it out. We actually put it on IG as well. Oh man, we're we're sorry. And guess what? Youth pastors, do better. Just do better. You know, teach people about Jesus. Don't give them lifelong scars. All right. Um so last week, if you recall, uh, the, I guess last episode, we got talking about Coco, the podcasting monkey or a gorilla. <laughs> and the question of the week on that episode was give us programming suggestions for the Coco Podcast Network. And you guys have uh, been hitting I, us up. I know I was gone, but it's a, a monkey doing a podcast. Yeah. Derek, yeah. listen. Here's I don't the remember thing. how we got there, to be honest. I Derek. do. It is the weirdest and funniest <laughs> show. And I literally was like, Derek wasn't. Cameron, you were crying. You were laughing so hard. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I like. I was like, "How do I tell Derek what he missed? I cannot describe this." Derek, just you got to listen to the episode. (laughs) It'll make sense. (laughs) I just. I didn't know how to tell you. Jesse was in rare form. That's all we got to say. And uh, this joint went off the rails for real. (laughs) Off the rails. So anyway, if you heard, if you didn't hear the show, go listen to it and reply to that question of the week. We'll, we'll bring those on next, uh, not the next podcast, but the one after that, the Friday slash Monday show. 
Well, before we wrap things up, I'm going to thank Mark Wahlberg for joining us today. Father Stew is in limited release now and will open wide everywhere on Good Friday. This Friday coming up. And again, uh, if you're a Relevant Plus subscriber, make sure to check out your exclusive Mark Wahlberg article that we just dropped. You can find it in the plus section at relevantmagazine.com. Also, while you're at the site, uh, make sure to check out the spring digital issue of Relevance Out Now. It features amazing conversations with Ryan Reynolds, Judah and the Lion, Bob Goff, Channing Tatum, Shauna Nequist, Brooke Ligertwood, so much more. It is jam-packed. There's an ad-supported free version available at RelevantMags.com. And for Relevant Plus subscribers, you can get an enhanced, beautifully designed ad-free version as well. Make sure to find it in your account dashboard. Um, hey, while you're at the site, don't miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our daily newsletter. It keeps you in the know about everything going on. Our top five stories are sent to you every morning. It's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse. And uh, follow Relevant on all the socials. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, posting every day um, with the latest stuff the team is putting out. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. And quick, I just want to leave one quick note to the youth pastors, real talk here. I wanted to remind them all of the words of, I believe it was St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use your feet to scoop up raw mayonnaise and feed it to teenagers. Do great, guys. Do great. All right. <laughs> See you next week. I'm Jamie Ivy. <laughs> oh, I'm lost. <laughs> hey, Wait, my Derek name. All right. We'll see you next time, everybody. Oh, boy. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com So we would soak a three-pack of tennis balls in gasoline. Relevant Podcast Network.